World's Finest Podcast, Episode 91. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how are you? Um, I'm all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm currently having a nosebleed, so um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question honestly. But see, I guess people, I'll, I'll see, be okay. Th- this is this is what we do for you. You know, <laughs> come come rain or shine or snow or sleet or bloody noses <laughs> <laughs> or the terrible trio. We're there for you. <laughs> yep. We Get record right. no matter what. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a product of my heater in my house not working and it being really cold and then me turning space heaters on and then it getting really hot. So my body is just like saying "fuck you." Yeah, as I told you off the air, I, I absolutely know how that is. Um, I mean, I, I I used to get them so bad in high school. Um, I do not know what was going on with me back then, why I was getting them so much, but I'm glad I don't get them anymore. Now watch tomorrow, I'll wake up and my pillow will be covered in blood, you know? <laughs> Speaking of blo- uh, bloodshed, just, uh, yeah, it's Tuesday night, we're recording this, so Sons of Anarchy just uh, ended. I, I love that show. I have become, like, such a huge fan of that show. I've mentioned it a couple times already yeah. on here, but guys, Ron Perlman, he's, <laughs> he's you know, main character on there or one of the main characters if if you don't mind a lot of violence and language and sex and stuff you know go for it it's a great show yeah i've still not seen a single episode of that i i can just i just hang my head in shame and go i know i know it's, it's like Mad Men. i've not seen a single episode of that um there are so many programs on right now that people just gush about um that i mean i don't have cable and I don't have time to watch TV very often. I just happen to have tonight off. Yeah, that, that's the other thing with me, too. It's between prepping for podcasts, recording podcasts, editing podcasts, keeping the site running, you know, trying to have a semblance of a life. Um, I, I don't have time to sit down to, 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 to watch TV. I just don't. Um, I, I honestly don't know how people do it. I'm glad that people can and that there's something out there for them to just sort of sit down and enjoy, you know, but I, I just, I, I just can't, I literally can't. I mean, I'm having a hard time making room for the walking dead, which just premiered. Um, well, the first episode premiered on Halloween night. The second one, uh, just aired this past Sunday and uh, I'm subscribing to it on iTunes. So, you know, I get it automatically downloaded. Um, and the second one has been out for a few days now and I, I literally have no clue when I'm going to have time to sit down and watch it. You know, I mean, I've got it synced to my iPod, so I could watch it on the train ride into work, but I don't want to watch it on a little tiny screen. <laughs> you know, I've, I've just, I've got a relatively yep. small iPod. Um, no, I want to see that on my monitor. <laughs> so yeah, just one program, just one TV show. I can't even make room for that. But uh, anything else up? Not really. Guess we can just get into the emails here. Yeah, let's do that. All right. First one is from Steve who writes, Hey, Michael and James. 
the home stretch of the podcast is here. JLU, Blair's theme song and head. Mm. I'll ask this question about JLU down the road, but I'll ask it a different way now. I know you guys aren't all that familiar with the comic book Teen Titans in their many forms, but to your knowledge, which members of the Titans that the show wasn't able to or didn't get around to showing do you think should have been used for that show? And by the way, I'd like to make a request for Ian that if he does do a DCAU montage for episode 100, please do a Kazooie Oki version of all the theme songs of all the shows featured on WFP. <laughs> oh, that's up to Ian, so we'll, we'll see if he does that. Um, Titans that weren't used that we would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen more Kid Flash. Yeah. I mean, definitely. we got a little of them. Um,. I honestly don't know. I'm pretty content with what we got, I think. Um, no, I would have liked to... Well, we got them. I was going to say a little more speedy, but we got him. A little more Mossy Manos, but who that we didn't see? Man, do you know anybody off the top of your head? Not really, because I'm not too familiar with the Teen Titan comic, so I was perfectly happy with what we got. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Donna Troy, so that she wasn't there. That doesn't bother me. I mean, if I think of anybody else, I'll post them over at the forums, but I just don't think I will. All right, next one is from Layla, who writes, Hola, señores Miguel y Jaime. I thought Diego was James in Spanish. I don't know. Oh, well. Uh, first off, let me say congratulations to you gents for entering the final era of the DCAU. Sniffle, cry, tears, <laughs> and starting JLU. Also, congratulations to Mike on five years of Earth2.net and its respective podcast. Oh, Have yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. Episode 425 of Earth2.net, the show. I sat down with Mr. James here and Mr. D.W. to discuss Saw 7 or Saw 3D or whatever the hell it was called. And uh, we put our foot down. That is the end of it. We are, uh, Earth 2.net the show is officially done with Saw. If they make one more film or ten more films, we will not be covering them ever again. And uh, there is also a special guest on that episode. I'm not going to say who. I'm just going to tease it like that. Um, so yeah, definitely go to earth2.net and, uh, by the time WFP 91 hits the main page, uh, episode 425 of Earth2.net, the show will be off the main page, but it's in the archives. It's on iTunes. You can find it real easily. Um, it's about three hours and 15 minutes long. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I've listened to it a couple of times. I, I, and I, I get a kick out of it every single time. <laughs> it, it's one of my favorite shows that we've really done. Uh, so yeah, I hope everybody listens to that. I was I was very proud to make that the fifth anniversary show. So thank yep. you, James, and thank you, DW, uh, who, who I know is listening to this, uh, and thank you to the special guests too um, for, for for taking part in uh, the pain and misery. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you know I'm always willing to jump in the fire of re reviewing a horrible, horrible movie. Hence, Tranquil Tyree. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my shtick. It always has been and it always will be. Yeah. More than happy to trash a Saw movie with you. Yeah. Okay, uh, continuing email here. Um, out of these, I only listen regularly to WFP, but I dabble in Earth 2 for special occasions, such as your Batman Begins review and ugh, Saw. <laughs> I stopped at the third film, and I, I uh, find it a frightening concept that they got worse. Thou art braver than I, gentlemen. <laughs> I did enjoy hearing Jenny on the show, but was wondering if Mike's bride to be would well, ever. Well, she just spoiled the special guest of the program. Da. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. No, that's okay. Yeah, uh, Jenny came back uh, for the first time in like I think it was like thirteen months or something like that to uh, 
you know, to, to, to help out with our uh, final, I was going to say tribute, but no, final thrashing. That's the T word I want of, of the Saw franchise. So there we go. Cat's out of the bag. It's my fault. I read too fast. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, uh, but I was wondering if Mike's bride-to-be would ever make a podcast appearance. It's cool to have a female presence on the show. Girl geeks represent. <laughs> um, it's it's being spoken about. She's not really too much of a geek to begin with, but there are certain things I've always wanted to review on the show that she just happens to be a fan of nonetheless. So when I get around to those, she will definitely uh, be brought on as, as a co-host. Yes. Uh, my final thoughts. As WFP comes to a close, I'll miss your banter. I suppose I'll just have to expand my Earth 2 podcast listening, such as Earth2.net, the show, and James's tranquil tirades. The end is nigh, boys. I, I just want to let you know how much I enjoy your podcast. I grew up, and my brother got me into BTAS, and looking forward to JLU, it's amazing to see how far we've come. Not just the DCAU as a whole, but indeed your podcast as well. P.S. Mike, I looked it up, and Red X is not a trademark name. Neither is the name Larry. Therefore, you could produce a shirt saying Larry is or isn't Red X. Ah, someone do correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you trademark a logo? Yes. So I'm, I'm yeah, pretty sure about that. Yeah, so you can't trademark the name Larry and Red X, but you can trademark the design of the logo that says Larry and Red X. Um, it's still... A little iffy for me, though. I like the idea a lot, I have to tell you. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, making sure I didn't come close to violating any sort of uh, whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Copyrights or trademarks, that's all. That, that's what I'm trying to say there, yeah. Okay, next email is from David, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I've been listening to your show for a while. I started listening in March or April of '09 and was always playing uh, catch-up to your podcast, but finally with the last installment uh, with JLU, I finally caught up with you guys. I've been enjoying rewatching the old shows with you guys, except for Zeta and Static, and I discovered your podcast shortly after I got the JLU box set, so after I watched them through for the first time, I began watching Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, and Justice League along with you and just listening to Teen Titans since I don't have the box sets. I was a regular watcher of the Teen Titans and greatly enjoyed the series when it was on TV, but never felt compelled to get the DVDs. But after listening to you guys talk about the show, it reminded me of just how much I liked it and how great it was. And I will try to get those box sets sometime in the hopefully not-too-distant future. I look forward to finishing up the rest of the DCAU with you guys and actually being able to listen to the current podcast instead of playing catch-up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, next one is from Tony, who writes, Hey guys, I'm so excited to finally hear your coverage of Dale U, but I regret the fact that the show will be coming to an end soon. At least I'll still have the rest of Earth2.net to enjoy. I just wanted to ask you guys for your thoughts on the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love that these films are being carefully tied together so that we can finally get a full Avengers movie somewhere later on down the road. However, the fanboy side of me is kind of annoyed that we are seeing any kind of Marvel Universe that doesn't have Spider-Man or the X-Men or the Fantastic Four in it. They might, as, uh, well call in the, uh, they might as well call in the Avengers Universe. I know that they could never tie all their characters into one film continuity due to pre-existing deals with multiple studios, but hey, I have a right to fantasize over it, don't I? Mm -hmm. Also, answer me this. If the upcoming Captain America movie can have Cap's World War II sidekick Bucky in it, then doesn't that weaken Christopher Nolan's argument against introducing Dick Grayson in The Dark Knight Rises? And on that note, when one considers the number of Robins there have been throughout the comics and the rate that Bruce ages, one has to wonder how early in Bruce's career did he first encounter Dick Grayson in the first place. 
Oh, and what do you think of the new title, The Dark Knight Rises, and Nolan confirming that Riddler will not be the villain of the third movie? And while you're at it, what are your thoughts on Zack Snyder directing the Superman reboot? Uh, okay, let's start uh, with Superman. James, what do you think about Zack Snyder? Um, I know little about him, ex- you know, except for Usual Suspects and uh, what else? What no, else? you're thinking of uh, Brian Singer. Oh, you're right. I am. Who did, who did Superman the, Returns? How the hell did I mix those two up? <laughs> I don't anyway. know. Zack Snyder, he did uh, Watchmen 300. Uh, if I remember correctly, he did the remake of Dawn of the Dead. He just did that uh, CG. I believe he did that CG owl movie that came out like a month and a half ago. Um, um, and I think he's the director of Sucker Punch, which is coming out later this year, early next. Watchmen, I was far from impressed with. Uh, and... What else did you say? Uh, 300. 300. 300 I liked, but I think – I have a feeling if I ever went back and watched it, I'd probably be like, eh. Yeah, uh, when Des and Meg reviewed it for Married to Movies, I went back and I rewatched it, and I enjoyed myself, but I wasn't as hyped as I was the first time I saw it because I loved it the first time. And subsequent viewings, it doesn't hold up that well. It still looks great. So what do you think about Zack Snyder? What did, what did you say? You're, you don't know well, enough of him? Then I, uh, then I guess uh, my opinion isn't going to be very high. <laughs> okay. Um, I like it, but notice the way I'm saying it. Um, I think he'll stay true to source material. Um, I don't think he'll stray too far. I think we will finally see a Superman fucking punch something, um, which will be awesome. My concern is, can Snyder do believable drama? And I like Watchmen. I'm not going to claim it's great, but I enjoy it. I think the little bits of drama in there are really good. I think the action looks great. I could do without the Matrix-style slow-mo stuff, you know? Because these are just supposed to be normal people, especially normal people who haven't been superheroes in like a decade or so. So they shouldn't be able to to do anything, you know, so super it's worthy of slow-mo. Um, but yeah, I think he'll do a decent job with Superman. And when you consider that Nolan's going to be overseeing it, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be probably the best Superman movie since the first one. So... But, you know, we'll see. Always got to take the wait-and-see approach. Uh, so what was next? Uh, the Riddler and the title, The Dark Knight Rises. What are you thinking? I don't really care what the title of the movie is. I don't. Yeah. Uh, as far as The Riddler goes, I am. I got to admit I'm disappointed. Yeah. I am a Riddler fanboy. Mm-hmm. However, uh, you know, this could open the door to, say, Black Mask mm-hmm. or uh, <laughs> Mad Hatter maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The, Mad Hatter is a realistic villain. Uh, he, it's if you get rid of the mind control stuff, you can still have a very sinister person there. No, yes. I think you can include the mind control stuff. I think you can if you think about it. The first film, we've got the, the Scarecrow and his drug and the the, the League of Assassins or whatever Raisha's group was called. They're using it to try to wipe Gotham off the map. In the second film, the Scarecrow comes back. And we know he's still using his drug on the street just by the opening of that movie, you know? Yep. Then, in the third one, Hatter could could take the drug, which has been a theme in the first two movies, and modify it 
so that it no longer scares you, but it's more of a, it still alters your mind, but maybe somehow, I don't know, makes you open to suggestion, so you're not mechanically uh, being controlled, you know, like with like with those little headbands, like in uh, BTAS, yeah. but you're being controlled via suggestion through this drug. I really don't think that's too far-fetched. Um or you could just do you know something even simpler and just have Hatter be I don't know a psychologist or something who mm-hmm. hypnotizes people. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's ways to do it. I um, you could also bring back that huge supercomputer Batman had at the end of the Dark Knight, um, the one that Lucius got all pissy about. Mm-hmm. You know, if Hatter somehow finds out about that and that kind of technology. What's to say he doesn't reverse engineer it, so he creates it again for himself, and then he does use it to put in some sort of subliminal suggestions to start controlling people. Um, I'm reminded of the Archangel... James, this will mean nothing to you, but the Archangel Network in Doctor Who, in the third modern series. That's what the Master used to take control of everybody and, sorry guys, spoiler, become Prime Minister of Great Britain. You know, they could do something like that. It's it's all through uh, satellites and cell phones. You know, again, it's mechanical, just just like the character uses in BTAS. I'm not too familiar with him in the comics. That's why I keep referring to BTAS. Um, So there's ways to use him, again, and and tie it back to the previous films with the drug or with the computer or whatever. Yeah, and hell, like in BTAS, have uh, Tetch start off as an employee at uh, Wayne Enterprises. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how he finds out about the computer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as for the title, I mean, I'm not super crazy about it, but like like you said, man, I I don't care. I just want my goddamn Batman movie. <laughs> Got that right. <laughs> um, and I think this was said over at the forums or you know wh- wherever I saw this. You know, I, you know, I just want to say I'm, I didn't come up with this, um, but basically, there's no way that they weren't going to make this title similar to, like, one of the biggest movies of all time. Especially mm-hmm. the biggest superhero comic book movie of all time. This wasn't going to be called Batman 3, Batman, whatever. You know, this was going to have the Dark Knight in the name again. There was no way around that. Um so, yeah, and, you know, the Riddler not being in there, it's a little disappointing because I was really hoping for David Tennant. Um, or who, who was it you were always behind? David Hyde Pierce. David, that's it. He also would have been great. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, oh, did you have more to say about that? Oh, no, I was going to just lead us into the next thing about the about Captain America with Bucky being in it. There's a difference, Okay. Even if they use a 16-year-old Bucky Barnes in the Captain America movie, and not like, let's say, an 18-year-old one, that's okay. Because what you have to remember, and Ed Brubaker, who's the current writer of Captain America, actually addresses this. 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds even, were signing up for military service during World War II. And the military, the government turned a blind eye because they needed every body they could get so you know that that that's fine by me i mean chances are they'll make them 18 maybe even 17 you know they'll split the difference between 16 and 18 
Um, so it doesn't bother me in the slightest. But again, you can't bring a Robin into, especially a, a child Robin, even a 16-year-old Robin, into the Batman universe. It makes Bruce just look... It's okay for him, for him to put himself in the line of fire, but a child or even a teenager, he cannot do that. There's no justifiable reason to do that. Um, and, and if you look at the Dark Knight, where those other guys are popping up claiming to be Batman, Bruce gets pissed at them. He's absolutely pissed. He doesn't want anybody else out there doing this. So he's not going to recruit this Batman, I should say, is not going to recruit someone else into his war, again, especially a child. I fully back Nolan on this, and I fully back their decision to use Bucky in uh, the Captain America movie. Now, as far as the Marvel movie universe goes, I don't... They would never be able to have Spider-Man or X-Men or Fantastic Four in there, as has been said numerous times. And Spider-Man has even less of a reason to be in there because they're rebooting the whole franchise. Right, yeah. So... uh, I, I'm looking forward to the Avengers movie. I guess uh, that's coming out in a couple years. Uh, 2012, uh, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I guess Thor is their big one coming out. Uh, Thor and Captain America are coming Thor out next Captain year. Thor and Captain America, I think they're coming out like five or six weeks apart in 2011. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go see them. I'm really looking forward to Captain America. Not sure what to expect from Thor, but yeah. I will still go see both of them. There was one more thing in there I wanted to address about Bruce's age. I believe over at the forums a long time ago, I was trying to figure out how old Bruce Wayne was. And it was based on how old Dick Grayson is. And I think I came up with the fact that Bruce would have to be in his early 40s. I'll see if I can dig that thread up, and then maybe I'll link to it in the feedback thread for this episode. And last up today was is actually another one from Layla who writes, "Hey Mike and Jim, as someone as I mentioned in my previous email, WFP is currently my gateway drug to the other podcasts at Earth2.net. From a newcomer's perspective, I noticed something interesting. Some of the podcast co- uh, podcast hosts have Teen Titan counterparts. For example, Mike would be Beast Boy as he is fun loving but can be serious when he needs to be. J- uh, James would be Robin as he's usually serious but has some great comedic timing." Ian would be Starfire, as he is, from what I hear, a ginger, and his British charm makes him so damn entertaining. Desmond would be Cyborg, as he's really funny, but sometimes has a solemn side. And Damien would be Raven, while he uh, he is brooding and sometimes has that quote-unquote bored quality to his voice, he has great sarcastic wit. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say that, no, I would not be Robin. Uh, I Come on, I have, like superhuman metabolism. I'm fucking Kid Flash. <laughs> so then, who's Robin? I don't know. That's, that's up to you to decide. <laughs> well, I didn't write the email, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're the leader of Earth2.net. I, I well, leave this then decision. technically I should be Robin. You there know? you go. You could but... be Robin, and uh, uh, Preston can be Beast Boy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know? <laughs> we'll, we'll let other people... Uh, chime in on that at the forums. I, I think it's a great, funny email, though. It's some sort of nuclear accident. The sensors are showing an enormous release of heat. I'll get down there and try to contain it. That's the odd thing. It's not dissipating. It's moving in a straight line. Take Captain Adam. He might be able to absorb some of the radiation. Right. And I could use some muscle for crowd control. Take Supergirl. She's got to start sometime. Fine. Use a javelin. The radiation's making it impossible for the transporter to get a fix on the location. A 
Captain Adam. Karen. About time. Either of you ever been to Chiang Mai? It's on the State Department's no travel list. Class three felony for American citizens to go there. Is it anywhere near Daytona Beach? You're not gonna leave me up here on Mount Olympus. You can go back the way you came. Uh-uh. No one's playing pinball with my molecules again. All right. We'll drop you off after we're done. And the first episode of Justice League Unlimited is Initiation. Uh, this one starts with some thugs robbing a grocery store somewhere when the alarm is pressed by one of the cashiers. So one of the gooms, uh, gooms, <laughs> goons aim, aims his Uzi at the poor guy, but suddenly an arrow whisks through the air and spears the gun right out of the dude's hand. And it is indeed Green Arrow saving the day and beating about half a dozen of these guys with his uh, trusty quiver. And he fails to notice that the last of these guys uh, still has a gun, and dude nearly kills him, but Green Lantern swoops in and blasts the guy. And Arrow's not happy that uh, Lantern's horning in on his turf, and Lantern's like, oh, you're welcome. And then he just has them both teleported aboard the new Watchtower. And Ollie demands to know where he is, and Superman greets him and says, you're among friends. And we pan out, and we see dozens upon dozens of newly recruited Justice Leaguers. So we get the new intro for JLU, new theme music, new opening. We get Actually, it has clips from different shows in it. Um, or different episodes, I should say. And uh, after no, the clips are from this episode. Oh, they're all from initiation. Yeah, and that's that's how it is. Uh, like so, for the next one, all the clips we see are from that episode, and so on and so forth. So the opening okay. is actually kind of there's sometimes uh, one or two spoilers in there. Uh, so Superman welcomes all these new Justice Leaguers in and says that you are all different, but you're all heroes. But we must be more organized. We can't all just be freelancers anymore. Uh, Batman is speaking to Green Arrow in private, who uh, again declines membership, saying that, you know, you big guys up here spend all your time fighting the big alien monsters and the big bad guys, and you tend to forget about helping the little guy. And Batman's like, suit yourself, but, uh, you know, those big bad monsters you don't fight tend to step on the little guy. <laughs> so uh, Green Lantern is given a new mission by Jean, who is now basically in charge of the Watchtower. And... The mission is that there's this nuclear energy signature growing and moving rapidly across an unidentified nation, though I think we can be pretty sure it's supposed to be North Korea. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he tells uh, GL to take Captain Adam and Supergirl to investigate. And uh, GL is not thrilled at the prospect of Supergirl joining in on this mission, but Sean's like, dude, she has to start somewhere. And Ollie wants to go home, but Lantern says, you can go back the way you came. And Arrow's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going through that teleporter again. <laughs> So Lantern says, all right, we'll drop you off after we complete our mission. So they're in the Javelin, and uh, Lantern explains that they're, the country they're going to is extremely xenophobic and that it, it's actually a criminal act for Americans to go there. Also, what's going on here is uh, Green Arrow is arguing with Captain Adam over having nuclear energy basically comprising his body. Uh, so... Upon arriving, the team is attacked by the country's military forces, but you know, Lantern easily gets rid of them. So afterwards, this guy named Quan greets them and tell, basically tells them, yeah, everything's fine, now piss off. And Lantern tells Jean later uh, in the Javelin uh, what happened, and Jean says the situation is not under control, it's getting much worse. 
However, they can't just blatantly disobey the country's wishes, despite what they may think about their policies. So Green Arrow, not really being a Justice League right now, just sneaks out and does some recon. He uh, sees the army evacuating some villagers when a convoy truck goes off the bridge, and he saves the guy before it plummets into the canyon. And then General Quan appears again and just screams Arrow's head off, yelling that they have it under control! And uh, suddenly a rumbling is felt, and a gigantic monster is seen behind this mountain. And the other three heroes arrive, and they try their best to defeat this behemoth, whose uh, codename, though never mentioned, is actually Brimstone. Oh, okay. Uh, Captain Adam tries to absorb all the nuclear energy that it's emitting, but it's far too much. And Supergirl just tries to beat the thing into submission, but that, of course, fails. So... They just fall back, and after the villagers are all safely escorted away, Lantern is blasted from behind by this giant contraption and nearly killed. And we go back to the Javelin, and Adam berates Arrow for going off so recklessly, but uh, Arrow says, look, I'm not part of your team, nuke boy. So Supergirl separates them, and uh, Lantern wakes up and says, you're going to need all the help you can get, so take Ollie with you. Um they find a team of hazmat scientists who, uh, thanks to some uh, coercion by Supergirl, admit that uh, they built the creature to be their protector against foreigners. Uh, clearly these guys are hot-blooded, but now it's too late, and they can't slow it down. I'm sorry for that horrible, horrible <laughs> pun there, but okay. Um, they have a way of... They do have a way of stopping it, though. They have these carbon dampers that will shut the thing down if they can thrust it into the reactor in its chest and cap... Captain Adam's like, ah, leave it to me. So they go off, and uh, Green Arrow's like, dude, you're you're gonna get fried if you get anywhere near that thing. And uh, you know, Adam's like, it's it's what we do. It's my job. So they actually have a moment of respect. Green Arrow shakes hands with him, wish basically wishing him good luck. Captain Adam tries to chuck the rods into the reactor while Supergirl distracts it, but it doesn't work. And the behemoth blasts Adam and fries him so badly that his containment suit ruptures, and he just has to fly into space before he unleashes all this nuclear energy all over the place. So he explodes out in outer space, and Arrow's distraught. Supergirl is just in a rage. She tries to just annihilate this thing, but she gets easily knocked away. So it's all left up to Green Arrow, and he uh, picks up the three remaining carbon dampers, and he tries to shoot them into the reactor, but the first two miss. Eventually, it looks like the robot has disintegrated uh, poor Ollie, but he had tied an arrow to a damper, and then he uh, fires it straight into the reactor, shutting it down, and Supergirl comes back and decapitates it to finish it off. And we go back to the watchtower, and Lantern uh, explains how they saved Captain Adam, so he's going to be okay. And he rebukes Supergirl for being so headstrong. However, he does follow it up with a, you did good. So all is well, and uh, Batman greets Ollie, after he comes out of the shower and says, uh, well, if it isn't the monster killer. So Ollie says, yeah, I got lucky. So I still don't think I belong up here. But then he spots none other than Black Canary putting her boots on. And Batman says, so, uh, see you soon. And Ollie's like, yeah, probably. So what do you think of the opening episode? I think this is a really strong way to open. Um, I th- I'm not saying it's the strongest episode. I'm not saying it's the best episode. But I think it was a gutsy and a wise move not to start with the Big Seven. We see them here, flashes on screen. You know, all, all the characters we saw last season, except Shaira. Actually, well, maybe Wonder Woman doesn't make an appearance. 
I'm no, not sure if she's not. hanging around in the background anywhere, but I, I'm pretty sure Flash is, you know, there too. Yeah, she's um, in the background, but no, no lines. Okay, you know, but Superman's got lines, Batman's got, got lines, you know, GL's hanging around. Uh, but for the most part, this is really letting us know from the start that this is about a whole new kind of Justice League. Um, and, like I said, a, a, a gutsy but wise move, in, in, in my opinion. Um... You know, I mean, this story is kind of cliched, you know, oh, we have to fight the, the big giant robot and the government doesn't want our help, but we're going to step in and help anyways. And, you know, we, we've seen that kind of stuff before, but I thought it was, I thought they did a good job with it. What about you? I agree. Um, I'm not the biggest Green Arrow fan just because of the uh, political nature surrounding his character, but <laughs> yeah. he, he was, he was fantastic here. I, I, I can't remember who uh, does his voice, but he did a great job. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking that up real quick here. Ken Schreiner uh, did a fantastic job uh, voicing him. He's, his character was believable. You really really felt like he meant everything he said, that this wasn't all posturing or anything. And, you know, he doesn't like nuclear energy. That's it. it. But I love that moment where he and Captain Adam shake hands. Yeah. And there's that moment of respect yeah. between, you know, the military guy and, you know, the... The commie pinko. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to... I was going to say the uh, bleeding heart, which is what he calls himself. I'm not saying anything. No, no, no. Ollie actually calls himself that yeah. later on in the season. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, Green Arrow, in the comic and in this cartoon, leans far to the left. <laughs> yep. Way far to the left. Despite the fact that he's a billionaire. <laughs> well, that's that's what he does. You know, he, he takes his money and he, you know, funds it into social programs and uh, things like that, but yeah, the guy is a billionaire. <laughs> and he, and like he says to Batman, he's like, "I help the little guy. You know, I don't, I don't fight the super extraterrestrial demons that you have to fight." Yeah. Um, but my point being here, I just, I, they got me to really dig the Green Arrow character here, and I, I applaud them for that because it's not very easy in my case. Yeah. Um, what did you think about? Uh, when Lantern woke up in the javelin yelling out Shaira. That was interesting. I couldn't, and I, I double-checked that. I couldn't, at first I'm like, wait, did he say Shaira? And then, I went, and then I'm like, no, he said Kara, because that's Supergirl's real name, I think, you know? And then I went back, and I'm like, no, he said Shaira. Interesting. <laughs> Very, and nobody calls him on it. You know, Supergirl doesn't turn around and go, hi, my name's Kara, you know? Everybody just sort of looks at him like, what? So, yeah, what did you think about that? Uh, I like it because it shows that, you know, Lantern clearly has not gotten over what happened the last time we saw all these characters. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Another thing I love about this episode is Batman isn't above using pure, raw sexual feelings to get someone to join the JLU. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hi, hi, Black Canary. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Batman went to Canary and was like, can you put your boots on over here? Why? Because I said so. You know? <laughs> Just because he knew Ollie would see her and be like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of that scene, Green Arrow showers with his little diamond mask on? Did Apparently. you notice he came out of yeah. the locker room in a towel, but with the mask on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, okay. it's like it's like Robin in Teen Titans, never takes it off. yeah. Yeah. Um, but re real quick, I want to get back to 
the nature of Green Arrow, his his uh, leftward leanings, we'll say. Um, mm-hmm. I really did enjoy the dynamic that he and Captain Adam had, mm-hmm. that he and Green Lantern had, and that he and Supergirl had. Because Supergirl, you know, she's the young kid, and she's being paired up with, again, this, you know, the bleeding heart, and this two ultra-military guys. Mm-hmm. and yep. But really, Captain Adam's even more ultra-militaristic, because he's still in the Army. Or, or, in the, or the Marines, I actually think he I, is. I think, it, I think it was the Air Force, wasn't it? Okay, I, for, I for, well, I thought he said what? he was a Marine because she called him a GI or something. Oh, well, I'm well, trying to remember that episode where he's re-recruited back into the... Against the JLU, but I, I can't remember what they say. Yeah, I don't remember. Regardless, he's still an active member. And, you know, so she's giving him lip, and she catches Green Arrow, you know, she's she, you know she's sticking her tongue out at him or whatever. Green Arrow sees this, and she's embarrassed for a second, and then he just, like, kind of smirks at her, like, yeah, you, <laughs> I like you, kid, you know. <laughs> um, and what I find interesting about this is that's the relationship that Green Arrow and the Hal Jordan Green Lantern shared in the comics. Because, mind you, he's a military test pilot. Right. Hal Jordan is. Um, So, again, you've got someone from the military who's probably, you know, probably, not all, but probably leans a little more to the right. And this guy who leans to the left butting heads all the time, but they're still friends. There's still a a respect there. And you get a sense of that with uh, uh, Ollie and John here. But as you said, when they shake hands, you really see it. With Ali and Captain Adam, um, it's one of those things that they put in there, really for the adults. The kids are just going to go whatever they're shaking hands, but the adults are going to go, okay, that's cool. That's truly two people who will never see eye to eye coming together to get the job done. You it's know, bipartisanship. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they're going to continue to fight about politics and how things should be done, but at the end of the day, they're both superheroes. They know what has to be done. And they are going to do it no matter the cost. Because Captain Adam thinks he's going to die. I mean, they reference it in the beginning when Superman says, you know, all of us are here because we will make the ultimate sacrifice. And as you said, when uh, whoever it was said to him, you're going to die. And he's like, yeah, I know. And it's just, so what? I have to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just just love that, that they could come together on something and shake hands. And at the end, we see that Captain Adam is still alive and, you know... I don't know if we ever get to see them butt heads again, but the potential is there for it to happen. Um, so anyways, that, that that's all I wanted to say about that. Right. Um, now, what did you think about this new opening? we got to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's no longer orchestral because, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the last one was completely orchestral. Uh, this one is uh, kind of rock music. Yeah. You know, they got the, the uh, guitars, electric guitar and drums and stuff. So that's... It's it's another way of showing that the show is evolving. Yeah. From what and I love the Justice League theme. It, it besides, I mean, other than the uh, the new Batman Superman adventures kind of combined theme with the you know kind of how it combines the Batman theme with the Superman theme. Yeah. That one's my favorite. It always will be. Uh, but this and the Justice League original Justice League theme is my second favorite. But I really like this one too. Yeah. Just because it's showing how how well the sh- or how much the show has changed and evolved uh, into this new JLU. Yeah. See, for me, what I enjoy most about it is that it starts out showing you know the the big guns from the first series, and then we hit this beat, and the camera just like pulls out, and we see this huge lineup. 
no longer is it the core seven. There are like dozens and dozens of superheroes. There's some standing, some flying, and it's like, oh my god. The only thing I really don't like about it is what we spoke about while you were summarizing, is that they use clips from the episode. And, you know, they try not to have spoilers in there, but every so often there are a couple. I'm going to... I need to jump in here just because I am 99.9% sure that, like, later on in JLU, when they do the, the clips, that they have clips from different episodes. They might later in, on, but it, for the time being, yeah. it is clips from these episodes. Right. I mean, there's... And they can only do so much with, you know, the first one or two episodes. No, no, no. Th- that's absolutely true. And we'll have to keep an eye out for that later on. Uh, normally, I fast forward through the opening title sequence, unless I know there's something special in it, like Larry, you know, <laughs> something like that. But maybe I'll keep watching these just to see if they do use clips from from, from the episode itself. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do you want to say about this episode? Um. I guess this is the only real gripe I have here. Uh, it's, it's. I guess it's not major, but I do have to call into question how Green Arrow or those scientists were able to survive in that irradiated area without full hazmat suits on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think later on, Ollie says he just took like a radiation shower or something like that. But I could swear that's what he says he's doing. But yeah, they really should have all been melty face, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you see it even there, there's a couple of guys, there's like one guy who takes off his hazmat suit and I could swear his face is a little, yeah, it's burned. Yeah. So why? And they've got the, they've got the Geiger counters and they're going like, right. They're going off the charts. There's no way any of them could survive there without suits on. Yeah. So why arrow? I mean, cause you know, Green Lantern can survive cause he's got his force field, Captain Adam's radiation. So he's going to survive Supergirl. She's fine. She's Kryptonian or whatever. Argonian, whatever. But yeah, Ollie and the scientists really should have been fucked up. They really should have been. I don't know. I don't know. A um, couple things I just want to point out. Uh, the question is in the background at the end. Yes. Just He's just walking in the background. I'm sure he's there at the uh, big shot in the beginning, but that, that was nice to see. And uh, yeah, Aztec. I love me some Aztec. And uh, he's just randomly there in that big group shot. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Most people are going to go, who the hell's Aztec? And I'm going to go, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> don't worry about it. I, I like I like knowing the fact that most people don't know who he is. And I mark out for him when I see him. <laughs> um, now, I don't remember if it was at the forums or in the last episode or the episode before that. Someone made mention that we should do a almost swore count, right? Yeah. Okay, we get one here. Um, I I forget who it is, but someone says, like, I'm going to kick your, and then they get cut off. I forget Uh, who says it, though. And and that had to be Supergirl. It might have been. But, uh, yeah, so there's, I believe, our first one. And there's a couple more that we're going to hear about in this episode of WFP, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, speaking of Supergirl, what did you think about that scene? Where Oh, there's two things I want to talk about her, actually. Uh, what did you think about the scene where she was roughing up the scientist, where she's like, you have the count of five to explain this to me. And she's like, <laughs> one, four, and then she just glows red. I loved that. <laughs> that is awesome, because it really shows you how different she is than her cousin, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and if you still want to say more about the, about that, that first question, go, go for it. But the second thing I want to ask is, what do you feel about the Green Lantern, Supergirl dynamic i'm not 
understanding where the animosity is coming from. So if you want to talk about that, go for it. Um, all I can say is it just has to be a callback to Geo being kind of a dick in yeah. the, in Justice League. So many times he's he's a hardened Marine, yeah. uh, and he's got, he's got to take this spunky, you know, brash young, I guess about twenty one year old girl yeah. with you know, with him on this mission. So the, they're probably gonna butt heads. It's just it's gonna happen. So I I actually kind of. Uh, I liked it. Um, I I think it was a little over the top when he just berates her yeah. in the in the watchtower. That was really, really just not necessary. But um, you know they kind of made up for it with the. Uh, by the way, you did good, and Supergirl smiles. So I mean, I guess they kind of made up for it. Yeah. See, I just I just want to know where it's coming from because it seems like it's more than oh she's inexperienced. Because there's other heroes on there that are going to be inexperienced and young, too. I mean, for Christ's sake, they got Star, the, the, the girl with the staff, and you know who I'm talking about? Star, Star Girl, yeah. Yeah, Star Girl, that's her name, yeah. You know, she's younger than Supergirl, or right around the same age, and probably just as inexperienced. And frankly, Supergirl, you know, she's got, she's maybe not as strong as Superman, but she's still a freaking Kryptonian. She still has a lot of his power, a lot of his strength. She can take a beating and keep on ticking. So I just I just don't know what's going on there. And I don't know why Clark doesn't get in the middle and go, Hey, John, uh, quit being a douchebag. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, maybe they do go on to explain it, but I don't recall them ever doing it. I don't know. I don't think they do. So it was a gift. Teleported here from some alien culture, some grateful world, or someone wanting you to think they were grateful. How remarkable. You animals really are almost intelligent, aren't you? That's exactly what happened. Mongol. You recognize me. I'm flattered. I suppose Superman told you all about our previous encounter. You mean how he humiliated you? A jaundiced account. What inferior specimens he surrounds himself with. I took her down before she even knew I was there. And I'll take this planet just as easily. Maybe not as easily as you think. We inferior specimens call it playing possum. No. No? Clearly the males on this world are the smart ones. He wants to know about the plant. The Black Mercy is a telepathic species. It reads the heart's desire and feeds the individual a totally convincing simulation of it. So he's dreaming. Oh, far deeper than any dream. I wonder where he thinks he is. Sitting on a throne ruling the universe, all you human garbage fawning at his feet. More honest, don't you think, than this pretense of being a selfless hero. So next up is for the man who has everything. And I gotta tell you, this is probably gonna be a short synopsis. Um, it's Superman's birthday, so Wonder Woman and Batman are flying to the Fortress of Solitude in the Invisible Jet, 
when they get there, you know, there's, there's a little banter back and forth um, because they're really trying to build the uh, sexual relationship between Super uh, between Batman and uh, Wonder Woman here. And, uh, you know, Wonder Woman reveals that, you know, she's got a present for, for Superman. We don't know what it is yet. And she's like, oh, what did you get him? And he's like, cash. <laughs> and I think Superman, <laughs> or Batman even drops the line, well, what do you get for the man who has everything? And when they come upon Superman, he's just standing there like a statue. But there's this giant, like, black and purple alien plant thing just wrapped around him. Uh, we, we go to the credits, we come back, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, uh, well, we quickly learn that, um, well, Mongol sent Superman a birthday present, too, because he was a little pissed off from the last time they met. And, uh, what this plant does, or it should be said that Wonder Woman just wants to rip this guy's head off right away, and Batman's like, no, stop, stop, stop. And uh, Mongo keeps getting these jabs in, uh, figuratively, and then later on, <laughs> literally, uh, on Wonder Woman, where he basically says something like, oh, I see the male of your species are, is, is smarter than the female. Because, you know, Batman needs an explanation. He needs to know what this plant does. He just can't have Wonder Woman engage this guy in a fight. And what this plant does is, it puts you in, like, <sighs> it gives you your heart's desire, in that it makes you think that whatever... You want, you have, but meanwhile, in the real world, you're, you're in a catatonic state. And what we see is that Superman wants to be still living on Krypton. He wants to be married to a woman that looks like Lois, but has Lana's red hair, lives on a farm with his son. Um, his parents are still alive. We don't see his mother, but Jor-El is definitely still alive. And that's all he wants, is to be a farm boy on Krypton with a family. Um, so, naturally, Mongol and Wonder Woman, they start beating the shit out of each other. Mongol more so than Wonder Woman. Everything she throws at him, he can take, and then some. Um, and he reveals that the reason he did this wasn't necessarily... I mean, there, there is an element of revenge, but it was really... He wants to take over Earth, and the only person that could have stopped him on the planet was Superman. Meanwhile, over in Superman's dream... Um, there's these tremors that are that, that, that are happening on Krypton. And uh, Kale, he talks to his dad. He's like, what's going on with these? And Jor-El's like, you know, 20-some-odd years ago or 30-some-odd years ago, I, too, thought our planet was going to get destroyed. Uh, I almost even sent you away, but, you know, that didn't happen. I was wrong, and it's taken me this long to build my reputation back. Don't worry about it. These tremors are nothing. And Superman's like, no, there's something to these. Uh Back in the real world, Batman, he's trying to get this plant off, and uh, he, he hits it with like a laser beam and all these things. Nothing's working. So he just starts to pull it off, and he starts talking to Clark, um, just saying, fight it, fight it, fight it. And in Clark's dream, uh, he starts hearing Bruce's voice, uh, just sort of in the ether. And uh, Superman starts to figure out that this world he's in just isn't right. There's something phony about it. And uh, he has a rather touching moment with his son, uh, where he tells him, look, the day you were born, it was the greatest day of my life, the happiest, bar none, but I don't think you're real. I don't think any of this is real. And uh, while that's happening, Cale um, starts saying, I I'm sorry, I have to let you go. And more tremors start happening. There's explosions in the back, and Krypton is destroyed. It just blows up all over again. Um, right when that happens, uh, Batman's able to rip the plant alien thing off of Superman, it then latches onto Batman. Batman goes into a fantasy world. Uh, we go, and what we see is, uh, you know, his origin. 
he and his parents are walking down down the alley. The 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 the, the killer comes up, uh, but instead of shooting them dead, he uh, Thomas Wayne grabs the shooter, uh, grabs the, the the hand that the guns and starts beating the shit out of him. Bruce is like, yeah yeah yeah, daddy, get him. Um, meanwhile, Wonder Woman is still getting the shit kicked out of herself by Mongol. Superman snaps out of this thing, and because uh, it's off of him, but it takes him a few minutes to come back to reality. He goes and joins the fight, and he's not happy at all. Yeah. Um, and what Mongol reveals when Superman gets into the fight is that, you know, yeah, that thing gives you your heart's desire, but eventually, if you realize that it's fake, the only way to break away from it is to let go of your fondest desire. So Clark had to watch the destruction of Krypton. He had to, to, to lose his father, his wife, and his son uh, to come back to this world. And, uh, yeah, so he's just beating the crap out of Mongol. Um, uh, Bruce, over in his fantasy world, he starts to realize that this is all fake. And uh, the tide turns. The, the killer gets, gets the upper hand on Thomas Wayne, knocks him to the ground, shoots him. Bruce comes out of it. I don't remember. How does he get the plan off? Does Do we see, or well, is it just... Diana. Diana pulls it off. That's right, yeah. Diana pulls it off, and it starts wrapping around her arm, but it never actually attaches to her. Superman and Mongol, they're beating the crap out of each other. Uh, Superman's literally just about to kill him, um, but, he, but he stops, and uh, Wonder Woman's like, Hey, Mongol, and she flings the thing at him, and it attaches to him. Um, they, they, they then wonder what he's dreaming about, and Superman says, whatever it is, it's too good for him. And, uh, uh, you know, when the episode ends, all we hear are, like, these screams, these cries. Um, but we never actually see what Mongol is dreaming. Um, and uh, But before that, we actually find out what Wonder Woman uh, was going to give Clark. And that was a brand new breed of Rose, simply called, what, like the Krypton or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's where it just kind of ends. I mean, it, it ends with Mongol and the screams and all that, but there's really nothing I kind of missed there at the end, is there? No. Okay, that synopsis actually went a lot longer than I thought it would. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> what were you thinking about this one? I love this episode as much as I hated War World. Oh, wow, okay. Now, okay. I now I graded War World a 2, <laughs> so that should tell you how much I love this episode. Yeah. Um, I... <sighs> There are a lot of differences between this story and the Alan Moore original. Um, obviously, Jason Todd isn't here, and uh, the gifts that uh, Bats and Wonder Woman give are tweaked slightly because Batman was originally the one who gave the Krypton uh, to him, and Wonder Woman actually gave uh, Clark a bottled City of Candor. Oh, okay. And uh, and there's actually, I think Cal El has a daughter named Orna, which was omitted from the dream sequences, but. Um, they do keep intact Superman's awesome, awesome burn line. Yeah, yeah. He fucking fries uh, Mongol's chest. If Mongol lives through whatever they do to him there, that's that's going to remain there for the rest of his days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they actually, and they sort of keep the ending where Mongol has the Black Mercy attached to him because I know in the uh, in the uh, Alan Moore story. They actually show what Mongol is doing. Oh, okay. he, you know, he is ruling over Earth as a new war world. Okay. But I actually kind of like the way they did the ending here with just hearing the screams because yeah. it's very creepy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, 
I love this episode so very, very much. I absolutely love this one, too. But I will admit, I don't find myself being attached to Superman's dream world. Um, the final moment that he shares with his son, absolutely touching. That's the only time I feel any sort of connection to Clark, Superman, Kale, whatever you want to call him, and that world. But everything else just actually kind of feels, I don't want to say flat, but it didn't have the emotion that they were going for. I didn't care about him and his wife. I didn't care that he sees his dad. Um, I didn't care they had to clean up Crypto's poop. Um, <laughs> and I want to say, I take a little issue with still calling the dog, dog Crypto. That would be like a human calling a dog Eartho. You know? <laughs> like What do you got against dogs named Eartho? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult your dog, sir. You know, I don't have a dog. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, who names their pup after the planet that they're currently living on. I could see naming him Crypto because Krypton doesn't exist anymore, so he's honoring the planet, you know? But <laughs> while you're still on the planet, that's just a little weird, but I understand. it was It's a fanboy nod, so I'm, I'm not complaining too much. I didn't want this one to be a two-parter. I'm not saying that. This is one of those ones I kind of wanted to be a one-and-a-half-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, this needed a little more for me. And I, I stress just a little more on that fantasy world. Um, for me to actually care fully about what Superman is going through. Um, I think another slight problem I have with this one is it's way too similar to the BTAS episode where Bruce is in the machine. Oh, you're talking about uh, Perchance to Dream? Yeah. I mean, this it's got like the same, a lot of the same beats and everything. Like, Clark sees his dad, dad, you know, Bruce sees his parents, dad, you know, um, and I know this story predates the BTAS story, unless that, unless the BTAS story was adapted from a comic that predates Alan Moore's story, I don't know, but it's, it's very similar, um, and I, that actually makes me wonder if that's why they never put the, uh, what was it called, the black what? Black Mercy. Yeah, that, that makes me wonder if that's why they never put it on her. So now Superman and Batman share something. Not just because they both had the Black Mercy, but because they both went through something like this. Uh, be it through a plant or through technology. You know what I'm saying there? I gotta tell you, it, uh, it, another reason I'm pretty sure is because um, Wonder Woman is a woman, and they didn't want to have like the uh, tentacle plant creature attached to her chest. That's a good call, too, yes. <laughs> Not, and I'm really not even trying to be perverted no, there. I'm I know just, you're that's, not. I guarantee that Tim and company couldn't do it. Right, right. Even if they wanted to. Right. Um, but do you, do you see what I'm saying about there it being a little yeah, too similar yeah. to the old BTAS episode? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then ultimately realizing it's a dream, having to give it up, risking everything. You know, in, in Perchance to Dream, Bruce jumps off the clock tower or whatever it was. Here, Clark watches Krypton explode. You know, again, this the same beats. But... It's still really good, nonetheless. Something I truly enjoyed about this one is, if you notice, Wonder Woman, she calls Superman Kale. That's because she respects his origin, you know, um, that he is an alien from another world. Batman calls him Kent because he's trying to remind him that he's not above humans. Mm-hmm. That That's what's going on there. But there's a moment in here when he's trying to pull the, 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 the plant off of Superman where he calls him Clark. Yes. He never calls him Clark. Ever. 
And I love that little subtle moment because that's showing you that Bruce and Clark, Superman and Batman, they are friends. Much like what we saw in the previous episode, you know, you know, with GL and Green Arrow and Green Arrow and Captain Adam, do they get along? Do they see eye to eye all the time? No, but they are men that respect each other. And at the end of the day, they will die for each other because they are very, very good friends. I like that. And that was, to me, that was Bruce showing, it was a very rare moment, I should say, of him showing his heart. And also fear. Yes, Uh, absolutely. There there was definitive fear in, uh, in the, in Conroy's, uh, characterization there because he's like he'll kill her clark and he'll kill us all yeah that's right so i love that moment i absolutely did what else what else about this one gotta give a shout out to the music in this episode Mm -hmm. just an amazing score they did for this episode and i think my favorite moment of music in this episode was when superman regains consciousness and we get that really low kind of brass section going there and you know shit's about to go down. Yeah. And, and then Saran just, like, flies full speed into the hole in the wall to save Diana. <laughs> I love how pissed off he is. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. This is this is where Superman should have given the whole, oh, by the way, I, I, I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, I wanted that whole slow-mo punch, the whole speech and everything right here, because he is letting loose on that motherfucker. <laughs> yep. And speaking of Wonder Woman, that Mongol Wonder Woman fight is goddamned epic. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I uh, love that moment when she's got the gun, she's got him point blank, and it does nothing. I mean, he just grabs it away from her. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, because again, you have to remember what she is. She's a goddess, you know? And this this alien being is just handing her her ass. Oh. Yeah. Yep. It's it, it's really actually kind of establishing the hierarchy. We, we understand that Superman is stronger than Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Because Superman can punch. She punches him in uh, Mongol in the face, and it almost breaks her hands. Right. Yeah. It actually might have broken her hands because I don't think we ever see her punch him again. No, and she's holding her ribs for a good portion of this, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we see what he did to her ribs, but it ain't good, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, he uh, definitely steps on her several times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that fight was brutal. I'm surprised they got away with it, frankly. Well, and, and also, I, she gave him a German suplex. Thank you. That Very was nice. the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Grabs him and just, boom, Chris Benoit's that mother... Well, wait, that's bad. Oh. <laughs> um, but anyways, moving on. <laughs> no, but I like... British because... Bulldog? <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, wait, no, that's not good either. Um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Never mind. She tazzes him, yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, but I mean, what I, what I liked about it is because you have to remember where she's coming from. She's a Greek character. You know, all the wrestling. I mean, you know, it's called a German suplex, but it's still a wrestling maneuver, you know? Um, I, that was such a nice touch. Such a nice touch. And I mark out every time she does it. <laughs> and it's right after that that Mongol's like, oh, how nice of you to volunteer to be the first of your kind to die. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not too happy that that just happened to him. Yeah, cause, and who voices Mongol? It's Eric Roberts, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he does such an excellent job here. I don't remember what we felt about him in the war world story, but here he has so many good, I mean, he has dark side level lines. 
Yeah. You know, and they are delivered not as awesomely as Michael Ironside does Darkseid. That's who does Darkseid, right? Ironside? Yeah. yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. just a notch below him. Oh, it's so good. Another thing I love about this is I, they combined the Lana Lang and Lois Lane character, and they got Dana Delaney to voice her. I thought that was her. Yeah, I meant to, I meant to look in the credits, and I forgot to. Really, Dana Delaney is almost worth a point in and of herself <laughs> at this yeah. point, just because yeah. of, of how awesome she is. Yeah. We get another swear count. Uh, I mm-hmm. forget who it is. I think Wonder Woman almost yep. says, go to hell. Right before that, ner- you know, that, what you were saying a minute ago, the neural impactor that does nothing right. to Mongo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, when Superman's in his dream world and he's talking to his son, whose name I unfortunately cannot remember, he mentions that little Zod's birthday party's coming up. Mm-hmm. So if Krypton didn't explode in Superman's dream world, he and Zod are buddies and their friends have birthday parties together. <laughs> and this is the only reference to Zod in the DCAU, right? Because in the the Superman episode, it was uh, Jack Sor and something else. Mala? Mala. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they did use Zod in the comics, but, you know, we're, we're only we're not covering the comics. So, yeah, yeah. I just I just thought throwing little Zod in there was nice. Well, well, this is also the only appearance of Joe Chill, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Because they never, I mean, before, they've never actually shown the shooter on yeah. screen. And that was brutal when Thomas goes down, and I don't remember if we see the flash of the gun. It's he... when Bruce, we when they're focusing right on Bruce's eyes. Okay, yeah. Hear the gunshot. That's right. And it's like, whoa. I mean, this episode's hardcore from start to finish. It really is. Like I said, my main gripe with it is I just don't have the emotional attachment that I should to Superman's world. Again, outside of the final moment with his son. This better be worth it, Mother. I mean it. If the legends are true, it will be. You've been saying stuff like that for, like, centuries. Nothing ever changes. Everything's changed. Except you, Mordred. And that's because I want you to still be young when I give you your kingdom. I want to be king now! What's this thing? Another stupid charm? It's the amulet of first magic. The source of all earthly sorcery. Hmm, shiny. Be ready, Mordred. Mordred, give that to me. Why should I? Silly child, you're not. Not what? Ready? Or big enough? Or old enough? None of that matters, Mother. Because now, I'm strong enough. Mordred! I'll have my kingdom. And without anyone telling me what to do, I never want to see you or anyone older than me ever again. Next up is Kid Stuff. In this one, Morgan Le Fay is back, and she and Mordred sneak into this mountain cavern somewhere, and... Uh, they steal what is called the Amulet of First Magic, which is, as Mordred, or Mordred, as Morgan says, is the source of all earthly magic. 
and Morgan opens the hand of the statue holding the amulet, and Mordred grabs it, but instead of giving it to her, he betrays her and invokes a spell that banishes all adults from the world entirely. And elsewhere we see uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and GL are fighting some villains, including fucking KG Beast. Um, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> and uh, they're uh, they're robbing, I guess, the Federal Reserve or something. And uh, they defeat the villains pretty easily. But uh, suddenly the wave of magic uh, hits them and they all vanish. And we see more. Uh, we see just several scenes of adults vanishing all over the world. Uh, everybody appears in another dimension where uh, the heroes are greeted by Morgan Le Fay, and she tells them what happened and that the Justice League has to stop Mordred before he corrupts all of the world's children. And there is only one way they can get back into their dimension. They don't say it, but you pretty know, pretty much know what's coming here. And uh, so back on Earth, uh, Mordred descends upon this amusement park and transforms it uh, transforms it into this gothic medieval version of his own making and assumes total control. As he leads the kids inside the new castle, uh, the, uh, the heroes appear as eight-year-olds. Uh, Wonder Woman is noticeably the happiest since she's taller than all the prepubescent male <laughs> Justice Leaguers. Uh, after a few jokes, they storm into Mordred's castle, and he just laughs at them until Batman's like, oh, what are you laughing at, precious? And so this prompts Mordred to bring several toy robots to life, roughly a hundred times their normal size. And uh, the kitty leaguers uh, yeah. de- defeat the robots. Come on, young justice, young justice. <laughs> the young justice defeats the robots, uh, culminating with Wonder Woman kind of sort of saving Bruce from falling to his death, I guess. No, I, don't yeah, I don't know. But um, so their flirting continues uh, with Bruce sulking away. Uh, they try to attack Mordred, but he just drops him into this underground prison area uh, where they will be devoured by some horrible beast. But it turns out to be none other than Etrigan as a fire-breathing baby. Yeah, and uh, they actually end up subduing him thanks to Wonder Woman yelling at him about being a bad baby. She burps him and hands him off to Superman because Etrigan needs a diaper change. And uh, so they all go up top and... Um, uh, Diana gets all the kids out of the castle grounds with this, like, big sister rant. And the heroes formulate a plan to steal the amulet from Mordred while he's sleeping, but it fails. And uh, Mordred sends these gargoyle things after them. They end up uh, getting away from the gargoyles and into Mordred's castle, locking him out. <laughs> and so... Uh, while they're in there, they only got a few minutes to try and formulate some kind of plan. And uh, Green Lantern, who's uh, been very uh, rambunctious here, trying to like think of all these cool things he can do with the ring. Uh, he's like, I'm going to make a, a, a giant lawnmower or something. And Batman's like, no, no, just stop. And, it, it, you know, the, the other three look at him like, or Superman and Diana, I should say, look at him like, dude, seriously? He hurt his feelings. And so so Batman's like, you know what? Forget I said anything. You know what? Lantern, you go crazy. We'll take care of the rest. But no and, uh, lawnmowers. He does say no lawnmowers, yeah. though. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so Mordred bursts into the castle, and um, he's he sees them nowhere to be found. But uh, then Lantern yells out from back outside uh, in this, like, giant exo-squad suit-looking thing. And he's like, hey, 
want to pick on somebody your own size. And Mordred's like, oh, you are so dead. <laughs> and uh, so Lantern just starts shooting off all these, like, green energy missiles and, a ga- like, a Gatling gun. It's, it's actually pretty cool, I gotta say. And uh, Mordred easily uh, stops him. And uh, he's like, you thought you could beat me with that piece of junk? And uh, Lantern's like, I wasn't really trying. And so we see Superman stealing the amulet off of his neck. He he throws it to Batman, who gets captured, but he throws it to Diana, who gets captured, who throws it to Etrigan, who bites it and destroys it, and it reverts the world, uh, most of the world, back to normal, uh, except for the area surrounding where the the magic was taking place. Um, and uh, Mordred's like, "Oh, nice try, but I still have too much of the amulet's magic uh, to for you to be able to stop me." And he is going to behead them with a very nasty-looking sword. But then this little girl appears, and she's crying, and she wants her mother. And Mordred's like, oh, you don't need one, yada, yada, yada. And just really ma- just makes her cry really badly. And he's like, shut up, shut up. And <laughs> the League is just taunting him, saying, like, what do, you, what do you expect from this guy? He's, he's a boy doing a man's job. And Mordred's like, you don't know what it's like. Boo-hoo, emo, emo. Mm. Um, and... um. Batman says, you know what, with all this power, you could have been an adult any time you wanted. So, really, I think you're just afraid to to be a man. Mm. And Mordred's like, that's not true. I'll show you. I'll show you all. (laughs) So he turns himself into an adult, and he says, I'm older than you now. So Batman says, you sure are. (laughs) And sure enough, he disappears, thanks to his own spell, sending him into the other dimension, where uh, Morgan appears and tells him, you know, you've, uh, Mordred, Mordred is trying to use his magic to go back, and he can't because he's used it all up. And Mordred, uh, uh, Morgan Le Fay comes up and says, you've used up all your magic. Do you not realize what you've just done? And Mordred starts panicking. He's like, what, what? And we don't see what happens yet. But uh, we go back to Earth where everything is back to normal. All the adults are appearing. The League get, uh, is standing there wondering what's going to happen. And Morgan appears and... Uh, says, look, that deal's a deal. Turns them back into their adult forms. Uh, Wonder Woman is still holding Etrigan, um, and she just drops him in disgust because he's being a, a dick. And, what does uh, he say? Mommy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Morgan starts to leave, and Batman asks what uh, what happened to Mordred. And she says, my spell only uh, gave him eternal youth. Well, now that he's broken, it, all he has is eternal life. And the League doesn't really know what this means, but uh, we see that uh, Diana, before we pan to the last scene, Diana's like, you know, it was was kind of fun being a kid again. And Batman, of course, has to spoil the good time (laughs) by by saying, I haven't been a kid since I was eight years old. (laughs) What a killjoy. Um, So Diana just, like, walks away, almost in disgust, really. Um, And uh, so the last scene, though, we see a castle and Morgan walks up to a, a chair where there's just this old man, just inc- utterly feeble and senile, can't talk, uh, drooling, and she's like, oh, don't you worry, baby. Mommy's going to take good care of you from now on. And she just wipes the drool off of his chin. So we see what happened to Mordred. Yep. And that's it. Yes. What do you think? I love this episode. How can you not love this episode? <laughs> I know. This is so much fun. But 
they still let it remain dark with Bruce's final line with uh, the, the, the final scene of the episode with Morgan and Mordred. There's the guillotine in there. There's implied beheadings. Um, you know, when you really think about a world without adults, these kids are screwed, um, especially since who their king is, you know. He, 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 he thinks he knows how to run a world, but he has no clue. He's still a child, and we see it, you know, when... You know, th- that one little girl's got her, like, baby brother or whatever, and he, she's all like, he's hungry, and he, he magically creates a cow, not milk, you know, but the yeah. cow. You know, this guy has no clue what he's doing, and it's played for humor, but when you really think about it, that's dark and disturbing. Now, all that said, I do have two problems with this one. Mm-hmm. One is it's a pretty fatal flaw, too. I'm not going to kill the episode for it, but it's a big flaw. He doesn't say that the world does not have adults anymore. He says no one on this... Some, I don't have the line written down, but basically what he says is is that no one older than him can be on that plane of existence. Right. He is several hundreds, if not thousands of years old. He looks like a child. His mother is keeping him a child. But technically, chronologically, he is the, next to his mother, is the oldest person on the planet. So that spell should not work. Right. Therefore, when he makes himself an adult later, that shouldn't have shunted him out of reality because he didn't age himself chronologically. He aged himself biologically. So there's this big kind of plot hole in there. Yeah, that's def- That's absolutely a plot hole. Now, in the beginning, had he said adult, then the ending would work, but he does not say that. Um, now, the other problem I have with this one, and it's a problem I actually have with these first five episodes. Outside of the cameo in Initiation, the Flash isn't in any of these episodes in a major way. He doesn't even have a speaking line until the second season. Oh my god, I didn't realize that. Okay, wow. Oh, yep. me being a I Flash know. fan, the JLU, the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited Flash fan, that, that kills me. But the point is, can you imagine the Flash in this episode? <laughs> Think about it. I mean, what would be so funny is that he wouldn't be any different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and unlike the rest of Young Justice, as I like to call them here, they could have got Michael Rosenbaum to still voice the character, considering he voiced the Kid Flash over in Titans later on. <laughs> yep, you know? exactly. Um, but I thought it would have been so funny if, you know, the other Titans, you know, of course, they're not the Titans, whoopsie, the other Justice Leaguers, they're acting like kids a little, but they're still, their adult personality is still there, but the Flash is still just being the Flash. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to knock a point off for that. But I really wish the Flash would have been included here just for that gag alone. Um, but when it does come to that plot hole, I honestly do have to knock at least a point off for that. I, I do. Um, but anyways, yeah. I've done enough rambling about this one. What do you think about this one? Well, it's like you said. I love this one. Um, the All the Etrigan business. Yeah. Uh, Mordred having no fucking clue what he's doing. Yeah. Um, the all the Bruce and Diana stuff it's yeah. it's it's even funnier now that they're they're kids yeah <laughs> you kind of get a little bit of innocence there you know schoolgirl schoolboy kind of flirting yeah yeah cuz isn't there that scene where she's trying to decide who to go with mm-hmm. you know and she's like i should go with bruce you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's i like... i love that moment <laughs> green lantern gets a couple of good ones too where what does he say like he says something about your Dude. girlfriend 
And yeah, then, you, boy, your girlfriend sure is bossy. And Shut up. up. You know? <laughs> and then other moment where Superman's like, what's going on? And he's like, man, for a guy with a thousand kinds of visions, you're, you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. that, that was some great stuff. Um, the way the kids interacted was just amazing because it stayed true to who they are as adults, but it showed you how they would have got along as kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm sorry. Anyways, you, you were saying about this one. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't have many notes at all for this one. It's not one of those episodes where you just sit down and, oh, I got to note this. Oh, I got to note right. that. Now, granted, your note about the age thing, absolutely. That's a, you know, that's a great catch that I can't believe I didn't think of. But, um, yeah, the, I, again, I got to give props to Olivia Dabo, who is again one of my favorite voice actresses, yeah. who, uh, for once again voicing Morgan Le Fay. Perfect, perfect job. Um, I, I love, I love anytime they can get her into the DCAU. And I believe this is her last appearance, oh, so I'm kind of sad. But, you know, I'm glad we got her again. Hey, let me say something then. So Olivia Dabo does Morgan Le Fay here, right? Yeah. And do you know who voices Hawk and Dove in the next episode? The uh, guys from Wonder Years? She was the sister on Wonder Years. You're right. <laughs> That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's Kevin and whatever the hell his brother's name was. I I barely watched the Wonder Years, but yeah, uh, I, yeah me neither. Yeah, but hey, that's cool that in the you know episodes that are back to back, they got the 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 the, the kids from the Wonder Years uh, to do it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, oh, gotta point out that Green Lantern um, had Kyle Rayner's mask as a pair of glasses. Yeah, uh, that was funny. Um. Oh, I, I just thought of another plot hole, sure. actually. I don't I didn't know why I didn't note this before. When Etrigan destroys that amulet, nobody should be able to use magic again, ever. Because they Morgan says that it's like the source of all earthly magic. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So huh. Zatanna and Dr. Fate are now no longer Justice Leaguers. Sorry. Yeah. Wow, nice And Etrigan should be returned to normal. Yeah. Jason Blood should just go on living a normal life. Yeah. Huh. Good call. Wow. Wow. Um, but speaking of the demon, why the hell is he there? <laughs> Not that I'm complaining. I love baby demon. In fact, a long time ago, if I recall, I had baby demon as my avatar at the forums. Yes, you did. But it's like, they never explain why he's there. I know Morgan and Mordred and the demon all have like a feud going on, you know, but it's like, why is he young? Did, did Morgan make him young and send them there and, you know, like mm-hmm. what's going on there? You know, <laughs> I just I can't figure that one out. But I don't care. I don't care. I, I love it nonetheless. Um, and the alternate dimension where all the adults are shunted to. Did you notice what it looked like? The it was that same thing from the uh, first part of the Teen Titans finale. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's Harold's dimension. It's exactly the same. Yeah, but, but no, actually... there's no continuity there. Of course not. I, now, and I did note that when we reviewed that episode too. Oh, did you? I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot you said that. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. Um, but going back to something you said a minute ago, I honestly don't have a lot. Of, I literally have run through my notes. I had I wrote down three notes while watching it, two more while you were synopsizing it, because I just watched this one to have fun. Yeah, there's the plot hole. Yeah, I brought it up, but I try not to look at this one too critically. This is just an amazingly fun episode that, again, has some really dark moments in it. It's a mature episode that kids can enjoy. You know, this is, okay, this is the kind of episode 
you sit down with your kids and they're going to get one kind of experience and you're going to get another, but you're both going to come to come together in the middle and laugh at the parts you're supposed to laugh at. And in my mind, that's the kind of episode that always gets like a bonus point or two at the end of the day. The Annihilator, heartless, indestructible, and ready to feed on mankind's misery and rage. Where are your specifications? Go ahead, Ares. Give it life. So next up is Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Um, So, okay, can I synopsize this one in like 30 seconds? Um, I don't know if I can. Um, Okay, so Ares, who who is he talking to that makes that suit for him? And what is it called? Hephaestus. Hephaestus. And And it's the Annihilator? Yes. Okay, so he goes to Hephaestus or whatever, and he's all like, hey, build me a suit of armor that can kill people. So he's like, okay. So he does, and then Ares tests it out, and we learn that it is controlled by rage, by aggression. Um, So then at some point we jump ahead a whole bunch of years, and Wonder Woman, she's on holiday, and uh, she's she's trying just to have a day off, and she ends up breaking up some sort of robbery, and she's all pissed, and... John Jones chides her. He's like, hey, you've been acting like an idiot lately. What the hell's crawled up your ass? And uh, she's like, nothing, shut up. And he's like, well, whatever, there's something going on, and you have to team up with uh, these two guys, Hawk and Dove, to to calm it down. Um, And so she goes and gets Hawk and Dove. And, you know, they're brothers who are also superheroes, and their deal is that Hawk is a little more brash. He's more willing to jump into the fight or, you know, start a fight. Um, and, and Dove is, you know, the smaller, more peaceful, loving one. Um, and when we meet them, they're in the middle of a bar brawl because I guess Dove doesn't exactly agree with America's military position or something. That's kind of the gist of it. Um, I think that's what we get from what the guys are saying, right? Yeah, pretty much. You're not a patriot if you think that America shouldn't go to war or something. And, uh, so there's a bar brawl. One woman comes in and uh, they head off and where they're heading to is it's Kaznia, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, they're in the cabin. Because why not? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, because uh, they already used not North Korea in, in initiation, you know. But mm-hmm. what's going on there is the North is fighting the South, and one of the regions, I don't remember which, doesn't matter, um, Ares is selling the Annihilator to them so they could take over the region and ultimately all of Kaznia. Um, so there's this, this, you know, there's this huge war going on. The Annihilator is just destroying everything. The superheroes get involved. They get their asses handed to them. Wonder Woman quickly realizes that this is Hephaestus's work. So she goes and visits him, and she's like, hey, how do I stop this? He's like, ah, you realize that this was my machine? And he's like, yeah, it's true. I do put a fatal flaw into all of my work, so there is a way to stop it. And she's like, well, how? And he's like, well, do you want me to tell people the flaw in the armor I built for your mother, which you're wearing? No, you don't. So I'm not going to tell you. 
She tries to beat him up, beat it out of him. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm still not talking. And uh, she's like, I hate you. So she starts to fly away. And he's like, yeah, come back sometime. I'll let that suit out for you. Burn! <laughs> Oh, man. That is awesome. I love Hephaestus. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he even gets a a pervy line in before that where he says he built that armor, you know, Wonder Woman's outfit for uh, Hippolyta, but she wouldn't, what does he say? Like, she wouldn't fill it out like you do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, dude, okay, you got some balls. But uh, anyway, so Wendy flies off. Uh, She goes back to Chiasnia. Uh, there's more fighting, blah, blah, blah. Hawk and Dove, what they've decided to do is kidnap the North and South leaders and bring them together to sit down and talk. Uh, that ultimately fails, uh, mostly because Ares ends up pretending to be the leader he sold the Annihilator to. They they beat up Dove, tie him to the front of the Annihilator. They quickly get him, you know, Hawk and Wonder Woman quickly get him away from the thingy. And uh, as the as the oncoming army and the Annihilator are approaching the other side's base, basically their uh, weapons depot, um, Hawk realizes, excuse me, Dove realizes that it's peace that calms this down. Um, so he he starts yelling at everybody to get them to put their guns down, and he does. And the Annihilator like walks right up to him. It's about to crush him, but it just stops. Ares jumps into the battle. And he's like, you fools, kill each other. And they're all like, no. And he's like, kill each other. Okay, you guys aren't going to do this. So Wonder Woman gets in his face, and she's all like, get out of here. And he's like, okay, but I'll get you next time, Gadget. And he just, like, (laughs) buggers off. And the end. Oh, no, I mean, the two sides kind of look at each other, and they just walk away without fighting. Um, And then the end. But uh, what did you think about this one? Oh my god, this episode is terrible! (laughs) Really, what about this episode is fun to watch other than Hephaestus' scenes? Yeah, yeah. Nothing! There's nothing about this episode that is just, you know, fun to watch at all. Hawk and Dove. (sighs) Wow. They have, like, maybe the most homoerotic transformation (laughs) I've ever seen. I know! And that's saying something. It's like Dove's transformation looked like Sailor Moon. I it, it really it looked like freaking Sailor Moon's transformation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my God, uh, the look. Look, I'm not a conservative, but honestly, I'd be insulted if I were one watching this episode, since they really make people who fall on that side of the aisle look like Neanderthals. This yeah, whole, this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Hawk is very clearly. Um, uh, Republican yeah. uh, Dove is very clearly uh, on the Democratic side, yeah. and Hawk looks like an idiot the whole time, and Dove looks like the you know just the all-knowing uh, you know guy on the left. It's just really this episode is very insulting to people on the right. It, it is. I got to tell you. I, I mean, if, if you look at it, uh, Hawk or uh, let me start with Dove actually comes off as being slightly more educated, where his brother comes off as being a bit more of a brute, you know? And it's like, really? No, there are highly educated Republicans, and there are dumb-as-rocks liberals. So, yeah, I didn't like that they went with that stereotype at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah, I really really think the reason I hate this episode so much is not only that, with 
you know, in the whole Hawk and Dove involvement, but it's just the constant, never-ending beating you over the head with, oh my god, don't fight! Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes war is fucking necessary. Right, yeah. In this one, probably not so much, because it's it's a civil war, and I'm not, you know, we don't know what the background is with all these characters, but... Well, they explain why this war is going on. Because these, I I think it does come from Dove, but, you know, still, the, the point is there, is that these people have nothing. They're simple farmers, and when someone starts to tread on them and take away what little they have, they're going to push back. And then the other side's going to push back harder. And that's just going to keep going until it escalates to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we don't know exactly how it started, but we kind of get the kernel of where it started. Um, but, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, it does just, it gets the, the stick out and just keeps beating you over the head, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's it's yeah. I mean, I'm not as angry at this episode as you are. Um, to, you know, to pull back the curtain a little, uh, James and I we shared some text messages. I believe it was about this episode. <laughs> and what did you say? Grah, I hate this one or something like that. I was like, I, I'm so glad I don't have to uh, summarize Hawk and Dove. I hate that episode. Right. And my response was something like, "Eh, it's just a little boring." And James comes back with, "No." It's terrible and it's boring or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it's boring and I hate it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and, you know, I mean, this one's below average. I am not saying it's not. Um, and it is very heavy-handed. But I think the action's kind of cool, and I think that's why it's skirting by for me. I don't know. I just I just like the Annihilator thing. I like the thing with the – what's his name again? Hephaestus? Yeah. I think he's pretty cool. I totally agree. His scenes were easily the best in this episode. Yeah. Um, I like the moment with Wonder Woman in the city when she's going rough on those guys. Um, uh, those guys are dead, by the way. Yeah, pretty much so, aren't they? They go flying through a windshield face first, yeah. land on the pavement head first, and then fly into a bus. Yeah. yeah. They're dead. Yeah, exactly. Wonder um, Woman just committed murder. Yeah, so I, I, I liked that, and I liked John's little lecture to Wonder Woman about how they've spent too much time around mankind. And that's kind of why she's getting a little pissy. She's kind of taking on some of our traits. And ultimately, isn't that why John kind of disappears from the League for a while? Yes, it is. Because what, what exactly happens that makes him go away? Well, what happens is Wonder Woman at one point asks John, you know, why... He, he hasn't left the Watchtower in literally months. Yeah. And he's, she's like, you don't like humans, do you? And he's like, well, I don't dislike them. Yeah. And then I believe at the end of that episode, he takes a leave yeah. uh, from, from the League until the very last episode. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of laying the groundwork for that, that they're both spending a little too much time around people. And as outsiders, they need to, if they can, remember who they are and center themselves. And Diana clearly hasn't done that in a while, and she is letting our barbaric ways, <laughs> as this episode would have us believe, get get to her. So. What is it? The chaotic world of man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like, though, that uh, she busted out the, oh, yeah, like, that's going to work, when the dude's about to throw the gun at her. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I mean, it's 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 just an obvious, it's obvious what the joke is. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, again, the swear alert. How about you kiss my ah, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I don't remember who says it, but whatever, it's there. Uh, what else about this one? I mean, there's got to be more to say. Uh, 
does there? I've, I think I've exhausted my rants, honestly. Yeah, um, I know people were talking about this episode over at the forums recently, and, uh, I don't know if I agree. I, I forget who it was, but didn't someone say there has to be a way to do a Good Hawk and Dove episode? Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but you're right. Somebody did say that. I don't dislike these characters, but I don't get these characters. I think Dez likes them. So, Dez, if you're listening to this, and you and I am right that you do like them, write in or post something at the forums just telling us why these are good or cool characters that des, you know deserve better than what they got here. Because I think every character deserves the best episode that they can be given. And these two clearly weren't given the best episode that they could have been given. Um, but I would definitely like to have fans of these characters write in and uh, let us know what they thought about this effort here. And uh, again, just exactly what they like about the characters, I guess. Ew. Cersei, huh? It was all over the mystic ethernet that she made parole. I'll see what I can do. Let's Eve Nekorb. Anayad Mukeb Namu. Well, I've given it my best shots. I guess my powers run a distant second to those of a goddess. We could call in one of the other League magicians. Dr. Fate, maybe. No. I mean, let's keep this between us. But why? If there's a chance to help Diana, shouldn't we tell everyone in the... Oh, wait, wait. You and her. Are you two... Just good friends. No. You and I are just good friends. There's something more between you and Diana. Well, maybe there was. Don't worry, Bruce. I'll find a way out of this for her. And you. But I'm beginning to think that only Cersei can turn our chubby friend here back into Wonder Woman. And Lord only knows where she is right now. And lastly up today is this little piggy. Batman and Wonder Woman are on a stakeout of a supposed inner gang theft, and they're on a rooftop looking down at a museum. And Wonder Woman uh, starts asking why Bruce you know, never enjoys the other side of life, and Bruce is like, I'm down there plenty, okay, thanks. Uh, so Diana asks, and not in so many words why she and Bruce couldn't be an item, and Batman says, uh, A, relationship between team members never work. B, you're an immortal princess and I'm a rich kid with issues. And C, if anyone knew that I had a special someone, they'd waste no time using her to get to me. So Diana proceeds to crunch a gargoyle in her bare hand and says, oh, really? <laughs> and uh, so suddenly the alarm sounds uh, down at, at, on the side of the museum and they head down there. But when they get there, they find out that the burglar is not really a burglar, but actually the powerful sorceress Circe of Greek mythology. And she is apparently on parole from Tartarus, where Hippolyta had her banished centuries ago. And Batman stands no chance against her and is easily dispatched for the moment. Uh, Diana, unfortunately, is spared no wrath from her. And uh, all we see before the title card rolls is Batman looking on in abject horror. So... Uh, after the title, we get uh, we we go to a magic show with the headlining act being none other than everyone's favorite fishnet wearing magician Zatanna. Yay! Um, after the show, Batman uh, confronts her in her dressing room, and uh, we immediately see that Zatanna knows who Batman is because uh, they're apparently very good friends. And Bruce immediately stops the pleasantries and says, "Look, someone needs your help." And Zatanna asks, "What kind of help?" <laughs> 
And Batman says, well... So we see that Wonder Woman has been turned into a pig. <laughs> so <laughs> she uh, she still has the bracelets on, though. Um, and Zatanna says that uh, she was well aware of Cersei's release and says that she'll do all she can for, for Di- uh, Diana. But in terms of magical power, Cersei is pretty much an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. So indeed, Zatanna isn't is unable to break the spell and suggests, you know, why don't we just bring in Dr. Fate? Maybe he can do something. And Diana's like, no, uh, let's just keep it between the two of us. And Zatanna figures out that there was something going on between Bruce and Diana. And Batman's like, well, maybe there was. Uh, so she also says that Cersei is likely the only one who can reverse this spell. So we get a quick cut, get a scene of Cersei singing uh, Lulu's Back in Town, Somewhere we don't know where yet, um, and so then Batman and Zatanna go to a just a mystical artifacts dealer to get an item to try and locate Cersei. But the whole thing is an exercise of utility, as the shopkeeper explains. If Cersei doesn't want to be found, she probably won't be. Fortunately, the bigger problem they have now is that thanks to the spell they tried to cast, it frightened Wonder Pig, and she got away. <laughs> and um, so Bats and Zatanna leave, and they can't find her. Uh, so eventually Batman enlists the help of the Justice League D-Squad with uh, Buona Beast, uh, uh, the Crimson Avenger, uh, Red Tornado, and somebody else. I think it was a long The elongated man. man, yeah. Buona Beast actually does find her, but she evades him and escapes into a pork processing plant of all places. And so next we see Batman and Zatanna driving down the street in a Batmobile. Batman says, Look, we need a snitch. So next we see Batman and Zatanna down underground somewhere, I guess near the River Styx or something. Yeah. They are actually talking to Lady Justice, um, who introduces them to none other than Medusa. And they've got their eyes covered uh, so they don't get turned to stone. And Medusa tells them where Cersei might be, the amphitheater on Mykonos. And uh, apparently she always wanted to be a famous singer. Because her cousins, the Sirens, are, well, they're legendary. So, um, so meanwhile, Wonder Pig is causing all kinds of havoc at the processing plant, and, uh, one of the workers has had enough of this shit. He grabs a rifle, and we go back to Batman and Zatanna arriving at the amphitheater, and Cersei is addressing the audience, and she asks for any requests, and Zatanna starts just hurling things at Cersei, which I gotta admit was fucking hysterical. Yeah. She's like, you dare to strike that? You dare to strike that? Stop it! Oh, no. And then she gets crushed by a piano. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so Cersei you know, pulls a uh, Wicked Witch of the West, or maybe it was the Wicked Witch of the East, because that was the one that got crushed by the house. But um, anyway, um, we uh, Cersei turns her backup dancers slash singers into vicious animals and just sicks them all on Batman. And uh, we go back to uh, the the plant and Wonder Pig ends up getting captured and tied up and thrown onto a conveyor belt. And uh, Batman and Zatanna subdue the animals. And Batman confronts Cersei and uh, stops the fighting and says, "Look, what would, what do I have to do to get you to lift the spell on Diana?" Uh, so she says, "Hmm, now we're talking. What I want is something you've worked very hard to conceal, something soul-shattering, something that once it's out there, it can never be taken back. 
And yes, we get the legendary JLU scene of Batman on stage singing Am I Blue? <laughs> and he's doing a marvelous job of it. Yeah. So Zatanna and Cersei are watching, and they're, they're actually uh, in tears from how beautiful it is. And uh, Zatanna's like, you'll keep your bargain. And Cersei's like, yeah, I'll turn her back into you know, Diana. So uh, Wonder Pig is about to be just ground up into uh, pork chops, and... The spell is broken, and she escapes, and we go back to Mykonos, and Batman explains to Zatanna how he knows the song so well, and he also thanks Zatanna for all her help. You know, and he prefaces this by saying, like, there's something I, I was never really good at, and that was asking, or I was telling people thank you. So, uh, go back to the Watchtower, Wonder Woman says, oh, it's really all a blur to me, the whole thing, and Bat- and she asks Batman if she missed anything, and Batman says, uh, no, no, uh, no, not at all. Uh, important thing is you're safe. Yeah, that that that's all all that happened. Um, so Wonder Woman says, mm, I guess, uh, but that's not the only thing that's important. And then she starts humming "Am I Blue," walking down the corridor, and Batman just grins. <laughs> the end. Yeah. So we're really going to be kind of repeating ourselves with like kid stuff here, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. Let me just take everything we said from kids stuff and edit it into here and leave it at that. And you and I can call it a night and go to bed. How was that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah it sounds good. <laughs> um, I mean, this is just, okay. First off, this is one of the, st- on paper, this is one of the stupidest ideas ever. It's, it's a stupid idea. It is. It really is. Let's turn Wonder Woman into a pig and Batman can carry her around the whole episode. And, oh, we'll bring in Buana Beast. And Cersei. The Crimson Avenger. The Crimson <laughs> Avenger. And all these other guys. And yeah, it'll be fun. And you can just hear the crickets in the room. But in execution, this is brilliant. <laughs> Though not, of us it, all, not all of us always used to think so. Did it? Did we, sir? <laughs> I gotta yeah. call you out on that. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I admitted to, uh, to this on the forums because Kellen, yeah. I hate Kellen. I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> Kellen brings up a thread from uh, like six years ago. Yeah, when this like, episode when, debuted, yeah. And that was our that was the first year of Earth2.net, I believe. Yeah, that was uh, early days. It was way, way back in the day. And he brings up this thread where I'm just like, I'm marking out like total wrestling fan mode yeah. over, oh my god, Justice League is starting, oh my god, the new season's here, oh my god, oh my god. Um, and then I'm talking about, uh what the fuck was this thing with the pig and the uh, the singing and like what 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 was this yeah. man? My how things can change in six. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, obviously you were in a different place, and I don't remember what I thought when I first saw this one. But all that matters is that no matter what I thought, it, it quickly grew on me, and I'm glad it did because it's just so much fun. <laughs> and dare I say, this episode would not have succeeded if it weren't for ju- the brilliant voice acting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everywhere, everywhere. Kevin Conroy, awesome singing voice. Yeah. Gotta tell you, um, which we saw for Hale with the whole uh, what was it, superstitious cowardly lot episode of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've seen the guy <laughs> sing before. Or I'm so it. glad we were able to get that back into another episode of WFP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jennifer Hale as Zatanna. Brilliant work. Uh, and Rachel York, who is a, I believe, is an award-winning. Uh, Broadway singer yeah. as Cersei. Yeah, just really they they did not pull out any stops for voice casting here. Yeah. 
I just don't know what to say about this one. I mean, I just... Okay, I do. I love the relationship between Batman and Wonder Woman. I mean, because we see them in the beginning where he's totally ignoring her, totally coming up with reasons why they can't do it. And she she proves him wrong, especially on the... They'll... they'll you know, my enemies, they'll they'll get to me through my woman. And she just crushes the gargoyle's head. That's brilliant. You know, she said he's saved by the bell, that being the alarm. You know, so he's being totally standoffish to her. And then she turns into a pig, and he's all, like, petting her. You know, like, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back to normal. Don't worry, you know? <laughs> it's like, dude, you could have the hot, like, Greek woman or the pig. And you're being nicer to the pig. You're creeping us out, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you got to mention that on the commentary for this, the the producers were uh, saying that they wanted to have a scene in this where Joker was gonna, Joker and his gang were gonna prepare for a crime, uh, which was gonna be like some kind of trap for Batman. And at the, at the time, Batman would uh, pass by their sight, consoling the pig in his arms, and Joker would just stare blankly at it for a minute and then just laugh and give up. Yeah. I know. It's like, I understand, because listening to that commentary, I can understand why they didn't put it in there, because it is a total non sequitur. It pulls you out of the the, 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 the the story of the episode. But, oh my God, I want to see that. <laughs> Just the Joker throwing his hands in the air. Here, I quit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> How can I top that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh man. What else? What else? Wanna um, beast. Oh my god. When he's talking, <laughs> it should be said, uh, you know, in here, this isn't his comic book power, but in here, uh, he can talk to animals. And I love that scene when he's talking to the pigs and he's all like, newcomer, silver bracelets, kind of stuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess you got a point there, dude. <laughs> Wanna beast, how you doing? Yeah. My legs are fine, as is the rest of me. Yeah. Up here. <laughs> this guy i don't ever want to read a what's that he's such a perv i know i don't want to ever read a comic adventure of this guy but more of a justice league please (laughs) oh yeah we should note we get an appearance of the iceberg lounge oh that's kind of um and uh i I feel it's my duty to note as uh somebody who studied greek mythology a lot that cersei was not a goddess as they say here she was actually just a witch oh okay but whatever Minor, minor gripe. Yeah, I, I like that moment where they realize it's Cersei and, you know, they say something about her changing people into animals and Bruce is like, yeah, I read the Odyssey <laughs> or the Iliad, <laughs> whichever one it was, you know? Yeah, it was the Odyssey. <laughs> I, just, I just love that little moment. He's like, yeah, I've read it. I know. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about the stuff that happens in the, uh, the, the slaughterhouse. I mean, for one, it's kind of gory in that the one guy who's running around with a shotgun has got blood on his apron. Yeah. There, there's pig carcasses all over the place, like hanging in the background. You know, again, he's got the shotgun. He's chasing her. But all that said, that moment when he shoots her and the pig accidentally blocks the bullet with the bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but that said, I thought shotguns shoot pellets, not bullets. I thought that was a rifle. But it's double-barreled. A rifle can rifle? I thought double-barreled guns were shotguns. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know a lot about guns. I'm admitting that right here, right now. So 
anybody who knows more than me, write in and know, or write in and let me know what's going on there. Because that was just a little weird. I mean, I'm not going to take a point off, you know. But, uh, I don't know, because, you know, the gag is so funny, I don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, there are double-barreled rifles. Okay, well, then uh, that's what it was, it's, then. It's a real quick look up here. Sure. There are. Yeah. Okay, cool, then that's what we'll call it. But I also love that scene when they finally catch the pig, and they're right before it, they're like, whoa, loose meat. <laughs> <laughs> Man! <laughs> they got yep. a lot of good jokes in there. <laughs> um, yep. Let's see, let's see. Oh, we get, oh go ahead, go ahead. Let's just say, we got... We got a Bugs Bunny reference here. We got uh, a Babe reference um, with the That'll Do Pig. Yeah. Uh, we got the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I think we even had a Ricky Ricardo uh, reference when she's like, Ricky, what's his name? I, that, I don't know. Maybe, uh, Ricky, maybe somebody it? else. Who said that? What am I missing? That was Well, it was when Batman was like, remember when I was on stakeout for uh, like uh, uh, guarding that guy from the Penguin and and she was like, "Oh yeah, that singer Ricky, what's his name?" Oh yeah, maybe you're right. Oh, good, good catch there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what yeah, what were you gonna say? Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, at the end, like again, I'm not taking a point off for this, but why is Wonder Woman humming that theme? She wasn't anywhere near Bruce where Bruce was singing. Because Zatanna told her. <laughs> I have oh, to believe. I have to okay. believe it. Okay, that's right. Okay, she would. Okay, good call. She totally would. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've not read any stories with him, but I love seeing the Crimson Avenger in here. The reason being is because, one, he's pretty much just like a Green Hornet ripoff, for lack of a better word. Not like the Green Hornet. But two is he comes after uh, Superman in terms of like debuts, but before Batman. So this is like one of the original superheroes who doesn't get a lot of play or a lot of respect by comic fans and comic creators. So the fact that they've included him in this show and actually gave him dialogue spoken by Kevin Conroy, if I'm not mistaken, I thought was a very nice, respectful touch on the part of the uh, producers of this program. Definitely, definitely like that. And it was it was in a pretty funny moment, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm looking for a pig. But Margaret or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever his wife's name yeah. was. <laughs> it's for you. <laughs> oh my yeah. uh, What else do you want to say about this one? Um, another kind of cool historical thing they did here was uh, they when Lady Justice says, "Oh, there's a small service charge." Batman uh, gives mm. Caron, the farrier of the dead, mm. uh, two pennies. Yeah, which is a reference to uh, the fact that Greeks. Uh, but way you know, back in ancient times, would bury their dead with coins on their eyes, uh, as you know, quote unquote, payment for their transportation into the afterlife. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And the fact that Batman has two pennies in his utility <laughs> belt, like whatever, whatever. Guy's got to be. Prepared. He's pre- he's prepared for everything, yeah, don't exactly. you know? But I mean, you can I mean, you could chalk it up to saying he knew where they were going, and he just grabbed two pennies from the ashtray of the Batmobile. You know? So yeah, there you go. You know? But uh, yeah, anything else about this one? Um, trying to think. I I don't think I have anything else. But I, I'm, this is one of those ones where there are so many references here. I'm going to be like, damn, why didn't oh, I? Why yeah. didn't I that? But yeah, for now, it's, I'm good. Okay, let's score these then. What do you give an initiation? I'll give that one a seven. Okay. Um. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, I'll give that a seven too. I didn't have a score written down. That's why I hesitated there. Uh, for the man who has everything. I give that one a nine. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you there, too. 
Ah, kid stuff. Kid stuff, I'll give an eight. <laughs> we're agreeing again. <laughs> okay, here we're going to disagree, because I think I'm going to score this slightly higher than you. Hawk and Dove. Three. Not by much. I'm giving this one a four. And this little piggy. Uh, like kid stuff, gets an eight. Uh, this one's actually going to get a nine from me. Am I blue? Am I blue? Ain't these tears in my eyes telling you? Am I blue? You'd be too If each plan that you had done fell through There was a time I was your only one But now I'm the sad and lonely one Beautiful. And you'll keep your part of the bargain? A deal's a deal. He can stop now. Not on your life. I should say... Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP-0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Justice League Unlimited. Those being Fearful Symmetry, a.k.a. Galatea, The Greatest Story Never Told, The Return, Ultimatum, and Darkheart. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Thank you.